to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship today. Thank you for deciding out of all of the mechanisms and means. I know there are a lot of videos on now, people, everybody's streaming and glad you choose, chose to tune in here. Of course, if you are a member, you're supposed to be here, but there are other people who are here because um, they chose to just visit us today. And I've gotten messages, I've heard your messages of different people who want to uh, visit Epiphany Fellowship and uh, some people were in the area like, dang, I can't come now. So thank you for visiting. And this way, if you're one of those people that were in the vicinity of where we are geographically located, couldn't come, but still try to figure out a way to tune in and connect with us. Hopefully, by the grace of God, we'll see you soon. Well, today is Donor Awareness Sunday. Um, well, really the whole month is Donor Awareness Month. November is Donor Awareness Month. And ironically enough, my wife uh, received two transplants. She received her first transplant in eight, 18 years ago on this day that I'm recording, which is November 20th. And then uh, she received her second one because usually they last 15 to 20 years. Uh, and and that, that, one, that one was two years ago on the 24th in a few days. So it's beautiful uh, to see the result of donor awareness. Why is donor awareness important? Because uh, it's helpful to utilize giving parts of your life for somebody else's life. What does that mean? In other words, when you die, your body, your, your, your liver, your org, different parts of your organs are harvested and utilized for other people if you are a donor. It's so important to become a donor because it can save a life. Two lives were given in order that my wife's life will be saved. And somebody is afraid of, well, what's going to happen when Jesus Christ comes back and give me my new body? Well, you'll get your liver back, but it'll be your liver, your heart, your kidneys, all that good stuff. It'll be upgraded. And so uh, there's, uh, and, 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 and contrary to popular belief, no one's going to take you off of life support in order to give someone a transplant. So anyway, I just thought I'd let you know that because I've heard it all I've heard it all, but because I have a, I'm a recipient. My wife is a recipient of a church plant. Uh, uh, I'm about to say a church plant, uh, a transplant. Um, uh, her life has been prolonged, and uh, after her first transplant, she was able to have more kids. And after this transplant, she's able to continue to love our kids. We have no more, but she's continuing to love our children. And so also Pastor Tommy got a transplant. If you didn't know that, he had two kidney transplants. Uh, also Octavius Newman, a member here, he received a liver transplant, I mean a ki kidney transplant a few years ago. So there are so many benefits to it. And I just pray that you would uh, call your local DMV, uh, your, your, your uh, DMP uh, Department of Transportation and say, hey, I wanna add to my ID donor uh, uh, um, that I want to become an organ donor. All right. So we are back in our series on, uh, uh, continuing our series on order in the church, order in the church. Thank you for all the encouraging messages and reposts and people hitting me up in 
on uh, Instagram and posting the, the uh, those uh, videos up or snippets up or quotes up. Keep doing that. That's so encouraging. I share them on my page, and hopefully it'll help and serve someone else out there that just needs a word and maybe some of the word that God is giving us through these passages. Let's turn over to um, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. We're finishing up today, chapter 4 in our series on order in the church. Somebody asked me in the comments the other day, what are you sipping on, Pastor? I'm sipping on throat coat, just so you know. All right. <laughs> 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Let's go. It says, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and impurity. Until I come, give your attention to the public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Practice these things. Be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things, for in doing this, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. I would like to talk today in tag from the last time we were together. I would like to talk about how to change a toxic environment. How to change a toxic environment. Let's go before God. Lord, thank you for the ability to be agents of change. Thank you for being the change in our life. And so God, as we get in this text today, I pray that you would help us to have the tools necessary based on Jesus Christ to be able to deal with difficult environments that we're called to engage, difficult environments that we're called not to run from, difficult environments that we're called many times to put our hand more deeply to the plow in, in order to not look for change to come from without, but to come from within. God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So when we um, talk about this whole idea of how to change toxic environments, one of the things that I realize as we have been going through this pandemic for, man, it's going to be a year in, some, in a few months where we've been going through this pandemic in kind of like the shutdown aspect of the pandemic. Of course, <laughs> the pandemic began prior to us shutting, uh, uh, shutting things down and everything being shut down. However, the pandemic has been going on since probably last February, right? Um, I know it hit other countries prior to that, maybe December, November of last year. Um, and, 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 but, but for us, we started seeing cases as early as January, I believe. And one of the things, particularly when things shut down in March, I remember people, you know, for us, all of us thought this was going to last like, like three, we'll be all right for three weeks, you know. Seemed like for three weeks, we gonna, you know, we're going we're gonna to shut things down, a little abnormal. We, we'll be back up and running. The next thing we know, they would say, well, things should be back open in May. <laughs> and then what they say, well, July, July, and then... Next thing you know, we're preparing to figure out how to launch schools, how to work, how to do all of these different things in the midst of a pandemic. But one of the things that, you know, we look at the external stuff as it pertains to uh, 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 work, um, school and shopping. I, I don't know what this 
quote unquote Black Friday is going to be, that this shopping season is going to be like in the midst of a pandemic. In light of that reality of, you know, us going through and having all of the things shut down, because, you know, we're externally shutting down. You know, I kind of look at it as all those things happen. But now, because things have taken so long to start back up, guess what's happening? We're starting to see that we have some unhealth. You know, as things have shut down, many of us have realized that we have some physical unhealth. You know, you know, because many of us have, the pandemic began, we started eating, you know. Everybody was going to the store getting everything. So, you know, all the ramen noodles is gone. It's cereal aisle just gone, soda's gone. And, you know, we just eating crazy, you know, ordering pizza, just eating up, really trying to medicate what was shut off. And as we began to try to medicate what was shut off, we, we became uh, emotionally unhealthy because we started gaining weight and we started, we're vegging out on Netflix. You know, some, some of us have watched every new series on Netflix, caught up on old stuff on Netflix, you know, whether it's Netflix or whether it's um, Amazon Prime or Hulu, Voodoo, whatever your situation is, you know, you, you, you're, 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 you're just vegging out on those different things. And not only that, you found out that you had psychological unhealth. But most of all, but most of all, many of us found out how spiritually unhealthy we are. And as we began to find out how spiritually unhealthy we are, <laughs> um, we've been kind of finagling, utilizing the things that cause our physical unhealth, our emotional unhealth, our psychological unhealth, and even our family unhealth. We've been medicating ourselves to hide from our need for God to deal with some stuff in our life <clears throat> that the pandemic, as bad as it is, <clears throat> and as frustrating as the deaths and all of that has been, God has brought one positive thing out of this pandemic. He's shown many of us that we're unhealthy. Now, how in the world can being shown that you're unhealthy is positive? Because you and I would have gone on acting like nothing was wrong if all of the external opening up and noise was going on in our lives, we would have, we would have just gone on and we'd have gotten more unhealthy, more unhealthy, more unhealthy, and more unhealthy. But God, I believe, sovereignly is using the pandemic for many of us to slow our crazy behinds down, to start working on stuff that we would have never worked on until God took everything out of the way to show us where we were. And so during this time, I, I, I believe that many of you are going to need to grow in some areas. Myself, in, now listen, now let me, just, let, me just, let me just preface this. I'm not talking just to you, I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to myself because all of us have areas of sanctification that needs the spirit of God's work. And I believe that God is giving us the opportunity to maximize that time during the course of this pandemic. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm trying to say or I'm prophesying something like, hey, man, once everything gets healthy in your life, then the pandemic going to end. That's not what I'm saying. Because you'll have, uh, you'll have uh, 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 um, issues of unhealth in your life until Jesus Christ comes back that God will have to deal with. I do believe that there is an intense level of unhealth. I believe that there's individual unhealth. I believe that there's family unhealth. I believe there's community unhealth. And doggone sure, we know that there's national unhealth. 
So, so, so that's going to continue to go on. But what I am saying is, is God wants to deal with your unhealth as the believer, your unhealth, yours and mine. So how do you change a toxic environment? <laughs> how do you change a toxic environment? Number one, you must be the change. You must be the change. Paul here is talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. Timothy has entered a toxic environment. How do we know it's a toxic environment? Because the leadership, the leadership environment is destructive. False doctrine is going crazy. You know, many people think the worst thing that can happen in a church is that there can be sexual promiscuity in a church. They think that's the worst thing. But, but, but you know, that's the Corinthian church. But, but, but in the Ephesian church, it was doctrinally unhealthy. It was belief and and listen, doctrinal unhealth is always connected to and leads to moral unhealth. Let me say that again. Doctrinal unhealth always leads to moral unhealth, and you'll see that in a section. Sec, uh, in a second. That's why in a toxic environment, you and I <coughs> must be the change. Paul says to Timothy, he says, command and teach these things. What is he telling him to command and teach? It's basically everything... From the end of chapter three, about the doctrine of who Jesus is, all the way through to challenging false teaching in the verse part of chapter four, verses one and two, all the way through to working through <clears throat> all the things that we went through last time when he helped them to recognize that he needed to be nourished off the words of faith and he wanted to teach that the congregation needed that as well. He also wanted them, he says, for, um, for the training of the body, verse uh, 8, has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it has a promise of the life to come. So he, he said, I want you to command and teach these things. Command what? Command people to deal with spiritual issues in their life. That's the, that's the focus of this chapter. You'll see the mirror of that in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And as he says command and teach these things, many of us don't like being commanded. <laughs> I like the fact that he says command. Um, it means sometimes in, 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 in order for toxicity <laughs> to be dealt with, order can't be restored without commands being followed. And so one of the things that he's encouraging him is he's, he said, I want you to <laughs> work with people and get into people's lives, Timothy, in order to help them to, to, to the, the word for command means to order. Uh, 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 in other words, to give orders, to give instructions, or to direct somebody to do something with authority. The challenge is, is when you're working with toxic people, when you're giving them commands, they see commands as control, not care. And so, but you can't, and the, and the reason why Timothy needs to be continued to be encouraged to walk in his spiritual authority is because whenever you deal with toxic people, whenever you deal with a toxic environment, people are always going to resist you because people who are toxic usually don't know that they're toxic because they will spiritualize, listen, things to you when you try to command them stuff as a resistance to what you're trying to do in relation to caring for them. But he says, Timothy, keep pressing because you have to move past their toxicity and move into helping them see that the command is for care. You'll see that in a second. Then he says, how do we know that the command is out of care? Because he says, command and teach. And the Bible says, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a sincere faith, and a clear conscience. That sounds like care to me. 
And so when he's telling them teach and instruct them, both of these are imperatives. That means that it's imperative in an environment that you have order. There's imperative in a toxic environment that you have structure. There's an imperative in a, in, a, in a toxic environment with toxic people that there are commands, that there are clear directives. Not everybody feel your way through and what does this mean to you and what does this mean to me? No, we have to have clarity on the things of God in order to identify toxicity and deal with it head on with the word of God. And so he says, he says, interestingly enough, he's a command to teach these things. Right. He says, command to teach these things. And as he says, command and teach these things, he says something next that almost seems out of place. He says something next. This seems out of place. He says, don't let anyone despise your youth. This is this is a this is a big verse in the Bible. A lot of people know this, particularly younger people, because everybody that's young think they are more mature than they are. (laughs) <laughs> and so because they think they're more mature than they are, that everybody tries to use this verse like they're a prodigy, right? Now, all, of, all youth aren't, you know, you know uh, wise beyond your years, all right? But here, Tim, Paul knows that Timothy is probably going to rub up against it. You'll see in the next chapter why, because when chapter 1, chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 is going to talk about how he relates to older people, Right? But in their day, whether you know it or not, you weren't considered out of the out of the realm of being a youth until you were of the age of 40. So you were in your late 30s, early 40s here. Many people think Timothy's around 25 to uh, 25 to 39 years old. I mean, 36 years old, 35 years old or so. So he's calling him a youth. And this is based on the time. We'll talk about it later when he got uh, saved in Acts 14. Uh, started getting discipled in Acts 16 by Paul and then later on now the time between that and this letter. And so they kind of did some calculations kind of based on Paul's ministry, right? But he says, don't let anyone look down on your youth. And so many times people say, you know, um, don't look down on my youth, but, but, but you're asking them not to look down on your age, but Paul does something that my spiritual father did for me one time. I, was, I remember I was a youth pastor, and I just started youth pastoring, and I had all these OG youth workers with me, or, or that were on that I had inherited. And I asked my pastor in, in a meeting. This is the middle of a meeting of staff, like people in there, you know. And I say, um, Pastor, <clears throat> you know, I'm having a bit of a challenge with some of the youth workers. And he said, so what do you have? And I said, Pastor, how do I help them to stop looking at me and looking down on how young I am. Because I was like 23 at the time. 23, 24. And he said, it's simple, Eric. Be mature. I was like, he said, Eric, many times people read 1 Timothy 4.12 and they read the first part of the verse. Are y'all hearing me? He said, you read the first part of the verse. He said, but you got to read the second part. He said, the second part is about maturity. I said, wow. I, I, I said, nothing else in that meeting. And it says, he says, don't let anyone look down or despise your youth. Old translation said, don't look down. I know my King James people got their fist up, right? But set an example for the believers in speech, 
in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Listen, I could spend the rest of the sermon on this. Are you, do you understand me? <clears throat> Set an example. This is interesting. He said, the way you get people to not look at your age, age ain't nothing but a number. The way you get them not look at your age is how you act. Now, <clears throat> when you look at <clears throat> what Paul lays out, Paul says, but set an example for believers. This is dope. The, the word example here is an interesting word. It means a representative form or pattern, right? It means, the it, it means a, a, a imitation of something or to imitate something or a replica, a model, if you will, right? A model, if you will. So when we talk about the idea of pattern. Pattern is a huge word in the Bible. You'll see it used over in Hebrews chapter, um, uh, uh, you'll see it in Hebrews chapter uh, 8. You'll see it in um, Exodus, I believe, 25, 41. You'll see that when God told Moses to, uh, uh, gave him the setup for the temple, he says, he says, make sure that it looks like the pattern, listen, the pattern of what I showed you on the mountain. So basically, <clears throat> Um, Hebrews lets us know that everything in the tabernacle was a reflection, listen, of what was in heaven. In other words, God showed Moses a picture of heaven's tabernacle blueprints on Mount Sinai when he gave him the instructions, listen, for how to develop the temple. <laughs> in other words, the, the temple or the tabernacle rather was supposed to be a heavenly replica, earthly replica of what a heavenly reality was. Listen, y'all got to stay with me. In other words, the pattern or the example was to give us on earth what it means to be in God's presence, what it means to come before him, what it means to experience him. And his Shekinah would come down on planet earth and it would rest over the temple and it would be experienced between the mercy seat. Why is this important? <clears throat> because Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So now we had everything go from altars, well, Garden of Eden to altar, altar <coughs> to temple, to temple, to Jesus, physical body. The Bible says Jesus in Colossians 1.15 is the image of the invisible God, pointing to the fact, this is amazing, that Jesus is after the pattern of God in essence and nature and function. Crazy. Now, we as the believers, we're the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ, Romans, I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Therefore, we are to be after the pattern of Christ and how we do everything. So what is Paul telling him? Just like uh, the, the tabernacle was a pattern after what was in heaven, we are to be a pattern of Jesus in heaven on earth. That's how you deal with toxicity. Toxicity is constantly looking at that reality of working through that for our Maturity, in other words, the point is be mature, youngin. He says be mature. Continue to walk and being conformed to the image of Christ. He, he said you need to continue to grow spiritually. <clears throat> why is this important? <clears throat> the reason why it's important is because spiritual growth helps people to be encouraged to grow themselves. If you're not growing but you're telling everybody around you to change, it's not going to happen. Oh, my God. You can't expect people to operate in a way that you're not operating yourself. You can't expect your children to change if you're acting a fool. 
You're telling them, do what I say, not what I do. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, the thing you've seen us heard and learned in me, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. But he says, he says, be an example in speech. Or, let's, let's put it this way. Mature in speech. In other words, how you talk. How you talk. In other words, in all of your spheres of communication, Timothy, I want you to walk in biblical health. He says, in your preaching, in your counseling, in your shepherding, in your general conversation, in your responses to error. Because see, let me tell you something. <clears throat> you got to be mature in how you even respond to people that's wrong. Uh, uh, let me, let me, uh, oh, my God. I'm going to tell you right now. See, you know you mature. See how you show mature in speech in a toxic environment? Is in a toxic environment, people say some stupid stuff to you, about you, and about stuff. You have to be careful of being so angry and frustrated at the bitter toxicity in that environment that you respond with the same level of toxicity. You don't fix toxicity with toxicity. You fix toxicity with maturity. That's a word right there. You fix toxicity with maturity. That means if someone cusses you out, you don't cuss back. Now somebody say, I can't cuss back, pastor? No, nah, don't cuss back. Don't give them a piece of your mind. Give them a piece of God's heart. You got to, you got you and I, listen, 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 all of us, you know, particularly if you scrappy, no matter what context you're from, you want to scrappy people, you want to let people know that you don't play with you and you want to let them know I'm saved, I'm not going to hit you, but I'm going to say enough to you so that you know that if I hit you, it would have hurt real bad. So I'm going to construct verbiage that feel like you got punched, right? Y'all know who I'm telling you. Some of y'all laughing now because that's you. That, that's your spirit. And you got to mature out of that. You got to mature out of <clears throat> responding to people. I got so many trolls online. I don't even respond to them. I just learn how to mute and block. But when I do respond, I try to say, I try to, you know, I try to be so nice that they look crazy. See, when you're nice, you, when you're nice to a, a fool or a toxic person, they look crazy. Oh, you, you're just a stupid a pastor. You shouldn't be in ministry. I said, Man, I'm glad you know my qualifications, but we're all here by the grace of God. I hope you have a nice day, and I pray God helps me. If there's something wrong based on what you said, God can work on me to change. Will you pray for me? That, see, they don't even come back after that. But see, but see if I say, oh, oh you, you, you're just stupid for coming on here. Just don't come on my page. This is my page and my post. And guess what they'll do? They'll say, see, that's what I'm talking about. See, listen, your response to toxicity that's negative automatically affirms toxicity's presence in your life. Therefore, you don't respond to toxicity with toxicity. You respond to toxicity with maturity. Yeah. You got to be careful when you slander, when somebody says something that ain't true. Got to be careful how you respond. You know, um, you just got to be, you got to be careful. So, 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 in other words, speaking ways, ways of speaking to be avoided, that means falsehood, anger, bitterness, slander, malice, abusive speech, the Bible says, filthy talk. But now our talk should be like this, truth, edification, admonition, tenderness, forgiveness, and thanks, especially in Jesus Christ. Is your speech mature in your conversations? Ah, are you feeling it now? <laughs> is your converse, in, in your conversation, is your speech mature in your conversations? Is your speech mature in life group? Is your speech mature in phone calls, social media, work, family, with friends? And when you're wrong, is it mature? Let's go to the next one. He says, I want you to be mature in conduct. Mature or an example in conduct. How you act 
or the way you make moves, as the streets say, right? Conduct here is a manner of acting with some level of self-control. Acting with self-control, a lifestyle of control in conduct and behavior. That, 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 for, for, I mean, in other words, is our behavior a reflection of a person with dignity, stature, and maturity? That this is so important because one of the functional ways a person knows that you're changed is how you conduct yourself. Let's go to the next one. Is your love mature? Mature in love. Now, how do we know if uh, it's how you treat others? How do you know if your love is mature? Is your love patient? Are you patient with people that don't deserve your patience? Or you should be patient with, but you're just not. Are you kind? The Bible says love does not envy. Do you envy other people who can't celebrate their victories because you're jealous of their victory? Instead of being jealous of their victory, can you celebrate it? That's love. Are you boastful? Do you talk about what you got, who you, who you know, and name dropping? That's not love. Are you arrogant? Do you look over people? Are you rude? Like when, when, when waitresses were coming and they weren't doing the thing right, whatever you had, you did. are you rude? See, toxicity. You see what I'm saying? Not self-seeking. Do you only look out for you? Do you look out for the team, people around you? Are you like that? Are you irritable all the time? That's not love. This is Romans. I mean, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Do you keep a record of wrong? Remember you did this to me. Remember you did this. See, when you're in an environment where you constantly reminded people of their sin, when you supposedly had worked through it, you're not a loving person because you always want to use the past to leverage a current reality to one up a person so that you can win an argument. Ah, that's not loving. That's called toxicity. It's called toxicity. I could keep going, but, 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 but we got to be careful, family of God, to make sure that we're loving people. Next one, mature in faith. How you remain consistent. Are you rooted in truth? Are you committed in a trial when trials happen? See, see, faith, the idea is faithfulness here. <clears throat> are you hopeful and optimistic or are you pessimistic and bitter? There's a difference. Are you mature in your purity? In other words, this is the idea is the pursuit of holiness, the state of being unsullied or committed to God in the midst of opportunity to sin. And in, in, in essence, it's integrity. Who you are when no one is looking. Do you have integrity, believer? Right? Next thing. Verse 13, he says, Until I come, pay attention to the reading, public reading, exhortation, and teaching. And so he wants them to put themselves around. He wants them to read the scriptures. He wants them to be around teaching, and he wants them to be exhorted. Now, the word, this word exhorted, we, we kind of talk about t teaching and everything already. But here, interestingly enough, <clears throat> uh, the word for encouragement is parakalesis, which is cousin word, parakaletos, is a word that's used of the Holy Spirit as a helper or a comforter or an encourager. In other words, to, to, to sometimes dealing in toxic environments, you have to come alongside of people and you need to become alongside of in community so that you can be encouraged. Out of, because sometimes you don't realize how toxic you are until you experience health. Oh, man. man I, 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 I'm telling you, 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 will, you, will, you won't recognize how much, how toxic you are until you start. As I, as I started, if I, again, I told you I've changed my eating habits and, you know, some, some bless, a lot of blessings have happened. One of the things that, I'm, that I had to learn 
is what affects, what, what has God made this food for? And if this food is made for this, I should eat this particular food because it had, or drink this certain drink because it has a certain effect on me, right? And it has a certain, God has made it to have a certain type of effect on me. If, if, if I eat, if I eat Doritos and Captain Crunch, and that's all the stuff I like, you know, if I'm eating Honey O's and if I'm eating all of the, all, all of the crazy food, I'm eating McDonald's, if I'm eating that, and I'm eating that as a lifestyle, what do I expect to feel like? What do I expect to be like? Do I expect to be able to lift, get back to my, my, my bench, my, my ability to uh, bench press 350? I used to bench 350. Am I going to get there on that? I don't know. Um, if I'm eating ramen noodles and using the whole pack of thing on there, the salt in there, am I going to expect to get rid of headaches? That's, that's, that's all of that stuff there is toxicity in your body. But if I drink matcha in the morning and try to help myself have more awareness, matcha helps with awareness. If I'm using turmeric and I'm drinking uh, uh, turmeric lattes and beetroot powder using that type of, what effects is that going to have on my liver? What type of effects is that going to have on my thinking? What, what effects is that going to have on my clarity? When I begin to eat differently, things that were created and very well connected to its ability to heighten and strengthen my functionality, I need, it, it changes. Listen, in order to change some things and change some environments, you have to inject healthy things like encouragement and uh, uh, paracolitas into that environment in order that people may experience the contra-toxicity and what happens when toxicity. Listen, whenever people have an example and people are different, when they get healthier, they ask you how you lose weight. They ask you, how did you get that way? How did you get muscles? How did you? And, and you begin telling them what they, what they did and you, they realize how toxic they are because they're looking at why they're in the place that they're in is because the way they've been eating, the way they've been functioning, the way they been, haven't been getting sleep. See, that's what being a believer is. Being a believer and helping with a toxic environment and not being toxic anymore is looking for examples of non-toxicity and also coming into toxic environments and engaging those toxic environments with mature, mature examples. That's what Timothy is supposed to do here. I love this last point and I'm done. You must not forget your core mission and who you are. If you're going to deal with toxic environments, you can't forget who you are. One of the things that will happen to you when you're in a toxic environment around a lot of toxic people, around toxic things, what will begin to happen in your life is you will forget who you are. You will forget who you are because you're around toxicity so much. You're like, am, am I toxic? I mean, should I just give in? Because it seems easier to just function here with the dysfunction that exists and the dysfunctionality. In other words, since dysfunctionality rules and no one puts, pushes back on dysfunctionality, they actually, in toxic environments, people embrace dysfunctional activity as normal. So what ends up happening is every time you act healthy, you get pushback. And after a while, you may get tired of it and say, hey, I'm going to submit to the toxicity and connect myself to the toxicity so I won't experience the resistance. But you, Paul, is telling Timothy, no. When they teach false doctrine, you teach true doctrine. When they act a fool, you act faithful. When they, when they, when they go live it, you act loving. When, when, they, when they go insane, you have self-control. In other words, whenever, whatever they do, you do the contradiction of it based on the word. He says, so don't neglect the gift in you. Don't let them shut your gift down because they're afraid of what God's going to use it to bring health through in that place. 
He said it was given you through prophecy. Don't you ever forget. There's prophetic utterances surrounding Timothy, probably in Acts chapter 16, when Paul came to after he had already preached the gospel in Iconium, Lerber, uh, 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 Derby, and Lister. In Acts chapter 14, in Acts chapter 16, Paul goes back after him and Barnabas split. He goes, he goes into Iconium and Derby to or Lystra, I believe, and to, 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 to encourage and strengthen the church. They, the elders bring Timothy to him. Timothy comes to him. They begin to prophesy over Timothy about his gifts. And then they begin to affirm it. Laying on the hands didn't put the gift in him. It affirmed the gift that God had already given him. And when that happened, Paul took Timothy with him. He says, listen, don't forget how your calling was affirmed in community. This is parenthetically. Many of you think you got a gift, whether it's prophetic, whether it's tongue, whatever. But it ain't a gift until it's affirmed by the body. That was for free. Back to this. And so Paul is telling Timothy, don't forget what you're there for. Don't forget your mission. Because listen to me, when you're called to do anything, God is going to send you to toxic environments to be the health. You can't let the unhealth make you forget what you were brought there to do. Look at verse, look at verse 15. <coughs> he does this beautifully. He says, practice these things. <laughs> he said, you got to have, you got to have all this stuff in regular rotation for yourself. He said, you can't go in to an environment you can't go into an environment trying to be a consultant, a business consultant when you ain't ran no business. Listen, he says you got to go in and you got to be healthy with the health that you're experiencing from God. Then he says to be committed to them. That is the practice in these, of these things so that everybody may see his growth. That's what he's talking about. He says, listen, when you go into a toxic environment and people see your growth, what happens? They begin to be engaged by it because look at the verse 16. It says, pay close attention <laughs> to your life and your teaching. Then he says, persevere in these things. Why does he say persevere in these things? Because <clears throat> perseverance means consistency in the midst of adversity. <clears throat> perseverance exists because there will be times when you don't feel like it. So you got to persevere in these things. He, he says, you have to persevere in your ethics and in your doctrine. Your ethics and your information, your doctrine and your duty, your orthodoxy and your orthopraxy. He says, for in doing this, paying attention to yourself and your doctrine, persevering in those things, <clears throat> even when it's hard, because people will pay attention to whether or not when hell breaks loose, are you consistent in what you believe is true? That's key. He said, you will save both yourself and your hearers. He wants you to persevere in speech, persevere in conduct, persevere in love, persevere in faith, persevere in purity, persevere in using your gift, persevering in teaching, persevere in application. Toxic places will make you quit sometimes. Listen, when you're around toxicity and when you're around toxic people, it can affect you because they say some crazy stuff to you and you'll begin wanting to quit. You can't quit. You have to invest in God, making sure that you keep sanely persevering in what's true, what's honorable, what's of good of repute. Let your mind dwell on these things. And he said, you'll save yourself and the heroes. How do you save yourself and the heroes? You'll save them from sin. You'll save them from error. And you'll save them from apostasy. You'll save them from sin. You'll save them from error. And you'll save them from apostasy when you persevere in these things. In conclusion, this, this is not unlike Jesus. Jesus the healthiest person in the universe. 
came from heaven to earth to a toxic planet, full of sin, full of disorder, full of demons, full of sickness, but he didn't allow it to affect him. <laughs> he brought health to us. He brought transformation to us. He brought truth to us. And he was an example all of his life. He lived a life that we could never live. That's what Jesus did, didn't he? He, he, he came and he brought his health with him and he spread health wherever he went. He spread it and he was an example for us, Christmas exemplar for us. And then he died because he didn't want to just show it to us. He wanted to bring us into it. And he died on the cross for our sins and was raised up from the grave so that whoever believes in him can go from being toxic with sin, toxic with hate, toxic with evil, toxic with demonic influence, can have themselves cleansed and imputed with his health. Maybe you're here today and you've never met Jesus as Savior. He wants to impute you with his spiritual health. He wants you to go from spiritual unhealthy, toxic, to spiritual healthiness. You can put your confidence in Jesus and say yes to him by faith, by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. You put your confidence in the fact that he died for you on the, sin, on the cross in your place, and he'll give you the health you've been looking for. If you're a believer, he wants to give you health. He wants you to just walk in the health he's already given you. But some of you are forfeiting that health. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you in that. Father, I pray for the believer who is toxic. First of all, I pray for the person that doesn't know you, that they would trust you as Savior. Knowing that all of us are born in this world toxic, acute and toxic because of sin. And Lord God, I pray for the believer who's toxic and doesn't know it. Build their self-awareness and help them to see things from your perspective, from your way of thinking, from your way of doing things, from, your, <clears throat> from blindness to sight. Mm. God, we honor you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I want to, before we celebrate um, communion, in the midst of this, I want us to begin weaving into our time creeds and different catechisms and different things that connect us to the historic faith. Because many of us think that a lot of the things that we believe is new. It's not. So recite after me. It should be on the screen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From then he shall come and judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. We want to learn that together. The Apostles' Creed, all of our fundamental doctrines is in it. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is to be given for you. Let us eat together. After the Passover meal, he took the cup. 
cup is a representative representation of what was prophesied that in Jeremiah and Ezekiel that he would make a new God would make a new covenant with his people. And that new covenant that was supposed to be with Israel, Israel was supposed to spread that new covenant with the world because the nations were supposed to come into Israel. Um, but now, the ch and now, the church is made up of all nations, and this is where unity happens in the new covenant. Let us drink together in his blood. Lord, be with us as we celebrate Thanksgiving. Be with those people who will be lonely, frustrated because they're separated from family, and isolated because of COVID. Touch them and help deal with anything toxic in their life from physical toxicity to spiritual toxicity. Now one to him who was able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding gladness and joy. To him, our God and Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Take care. Have a blessed Thanksgiving. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.